Mediator, what is this? This is show and tell, and it's us, Lady Ada, Mr. Lady Ada, back. You're as your original host. Uh, yeah. Sometimes we have people. The longest daylight of the year. Maybe the, yeah, maybe we'll have the most still quite sharing mm. of the year. Um, sometimes we have uh, special guest hosts, but uh, today you're stuck, stuck with, with us, us. again. Um, this is the most fun you can have on the internet with their clothes on for the next 20-ish minutes. We're going to check in with people from around the maker community and the Adafruit community and uh, see what they're up to. What are they soldering, 3D printing, exploring, um, uh, dumpster diving, coding, and more. Um, any other notes? I guess people can come by. Uh, we're in StreamYard, but uh, go to Discord if you want to yeah, come in. Yeah, that's where we, we have the link, there. the link to show up and more. Um, let's start off with Jepler, and then we'll go to Aaron after. So Okay, Jepler, kick so it. What's going on? Hello. Uh, so this has turned into a real collab effort because Lamore led off with, uh, th this is Teddy Ruxman, by the way. Uh, mm -hmm. Lamore led off with starting to figure out the audio formats based on, hi, I missed you. It's been so long since I've seen you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> with uh, figuring out the audio formats and how to encode samples. And JP investigated software for turning like an audio track into mouth movements. And he found a piece of software called Rhubarb that does it. And so I put together just a little quick uh, demo of that. So this is custom audio running on Teddy Ruxpin, created by a Python script with mouth movements from uh, Rhubarb. Hi, Jepler here. Did you know my high school nickname was Big Bear? Well, that's embarrassing. But this video is to show off the advances we've had with converting audio files and creating mouth movements for Teddy Ruxpin. Bye. And that's what I got. The, good. Yeah. the code is not ready for prime time, but it's on GitHub. I'll drop a link to that in the Discord. And uh, I hear that these are not very expensive to buy on um, yep. eBay or whatever. Like Teddy Ruxpin and uh, the ones that came out 2017. Um, the shipping is more expensive than the bear. I just sorted by price, and they're like sixteen dollars, twenty dollars. Yeah, I got mine for like twelve bucks. Yeah, mm -hmm. and um, you know the launch price was like two hundred bucks or so, and these yeah, are that was, that's just I like couldn't the, afford it. No, it was like sixty bucks, but it was like two hundred if you want to buy it like new in box. No, I'm saying when they launched, really two hundred. Yeah, they were they were they were expensive. Wow. Okay. So, and then the ones even before that, the '80s ones, the cassette tape ones, which were not hacking. Um, so this is neat for robotics. It also gives you um, a chance to learn about puppetry. Yeah. And uh, right before the show, I was talking about this. It's the beginning of Adafruit, like for, with our puppets, with like Adabot and uh, Cricket. We've always wanted to have an Imagineer in a box. If you've ever visited Disneyland, there's you maybe like, watch AI. That yeah, there's a, there's a, there's David the, the teddy bear with that as well. Um, something about teddy bears um, and animatronics. I think it's a it's a trick to 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 get us to to trust the AI. Yeah. Anyways. Um, or make AI friends, make robot friend, not robot enemy. Um, but they're really neat, and, and it's really hard to get all these servos and everything working together. Um, so you could just get one and, and just do the software side. You don't yeah. need to modify them uh, physically. But the other neat thing is you can go online and look at some guides that other people made like years ago when this first came out, and you could take the fur off and put any type of other um, stuffed animal, creature ideas. So for people who do companion bots, or we're going to make like uh, Figment the dragon one, yeah, because um, it's just uh, like the core is like you know it's just like this. Yeah. There's a hard plastic part in the inside, yeah. but the 
the legs and you know the the head is obviously some round head but like you know most stuffies are about this size you might be able to gut it and put this in i don't know it'd be interesting to see yeah yeah uh, good times anyway all right well, so we'll, we'll be doing more with teddy but that's what's up right now fun fun right. next uh speaking of delightful and whimsical things aaron what's going on this week Ah, uh, hello. I am sitting here under my <laughs> fabulous jellyfish umbrella. Sorry. Um, I, uh, I went to a music festival and it was a thing. Like there was there was dozens of these here. Um, this is a pretty popular design for a festival totem. So a lot of people had them on big tall poles so that their friends could sort of find them in the crowd. Yeah. Um, and this one's pretty fun. It is running WLED. So I can actually control it with my phone. I got some different playlists here and all I have to do is like tap the playlist That's and cool. it will change colors. Uh, this is a really cool app. It's got uh, all kinds, it's really easy to use. It's got uh, color modes and palettes and you can make playlists and you can use different color animations. It's it's like two minutes to install. So um, I just launched a tutorial for this uh, jellyfish umbrella <laughs> and having a ton of fun with it. Um, I also put up a jellyfish installation, like a large scale art installation. I made um, like 60 animated LED jellyfish that were all wired together and put them up over one of the stages at this music festival. And when I walked underneath the swarm of jellyfish with my umbrella, it automatically synced up so that it was running the same animations as the swarm above the stage, which was incredibly cool. So I highly recommend if you're into LED projects and you haven't checked out WLED, uh, do it. It's this is running on a, a Pico W and uh, not not that hard to build. So. Well, the easy, easiest way to um, to uh, try this uh, WLED thing is to follow Erin's guide, which just got published. Um, so check it out. She goes step by step on how to make jellyfish and sell WLED and use it. It's your new favorite thing. So, and you know LEDs. I've been playing with them for a little while now. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. I like I like the aquatic theme. And we'll be um, showing the the TikToky YouTube short uh, along with the guide tonight. Uh, but also check out Aaron's video that's on our YouTube channel as well for the full step by step. Good work, full project. Okay. Thanks, All right. Aaron. Next up, we're gonna go to um, JP, and then we'll go to Melissa, then Scott. So that's who's on deck. JP, what you got going on this week? Hey, uh, I got a lunchbox, and this thing yeah. is super, super cool. Oh, uh, do you want to hold, hold it up? Uh, yeah, let me hold it up. You right here. There you go. Uh, so it says right. animation, animation tool works on it right there. And it's got some BNC connectors for video <laughs> right. in and out. It's got a, a, some vent fan there. It's got a another uh, a fan there, and there's a AC plug input. So this is a weird lunchbox. And I saw this at an aerospace surplus shop that I was at. And I, I was like, that's, I got to look inside this thing. What am I going to find? So if we go to the overhead, I can open it up and reveal the super cool contents of this thing, which is the video lunchbox. Oh, cool. So this thing was a frame, essentially a frame buffer that was used for stop motion animation or for 2D pencil tests where you would have your video camera pointed at your scene or a down shooter on your, uh, on your animation, uh, hand draw animation, and then an output going to a video monitor. And what this thing could do is it could store up to about 250 frames of animation. So you would go and capture a single frame. There's a little readout that tells you which frame you're on. Uh, 
and then it's displaying that frame. So you would then advance to the next frame while still doing a, a ghosting or an onion skinning of the last frame. So with stop motion, it's really helpful to see where you were yeah. on the last frame, as well as looping. So you could loop at 30 or 24 frames a second, depending on if you're essentially doing TV animation uh, or film animation. Uh, and you could also shoot on twos just by taking two at a time if you weren't shooting full 24 frame, which is madness for, for stop motion. Uh, and this thing was pretty revolutionary, especially for either uh, students like education and animation, uh, because previously what you would have used would be like a VCR or a camcorder and tried to record pause real quick, move things, record pause real quick, and the timing would be all over the place. Uh, so this was a, a, a real tool that was used both for education and in professional uh, sort of a video tap or a video assist for stop motion houses. They could use this to see that they liked what they were actually shooting off the film or actually shooting to a, a higher quality video source. Um, I'm going to see if I can get this thing working. And I'm also going to, I think, use this as inspiration for making a modern day uh, version of this using maybe a Raspberry Pi and some video capture, uh, largely because I love the form factor. Because yeah. if I'm being honest, the the version of this that exists today that's about 7,000 times better is your iPad. Uh, get yeah. some stop motion software or your computer and, and drag and frame and a camera. And you've got amazing modern software for doing stop motion. But if you want to suffer and do it kind of the old school way with some really cool gear, uh, this is a, a kind of amazing relic uh, and, and blast from the past piece of hardware. Um, I'd love to know who DAP was. It could be like <laughs> animation production, could be someone's name, DreamWorks. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, I do. I do know some some stop motion people who ended up working on 3D stuff over at Disney. So maybe that. But who knows? Uh, also, last thing that I really love about this, I've never seen these before. They use some really clever hinges for this, uh, which have a little squeeze clip. Let me close this for a second. A little squeeze clip uh, that lets you remove the top just like that. Oh, yeah. so, oh wow. You didn't want to leave this hanging off the edge. You might be running out of space, and then you can pop yeah. this back down. Uh, those things are cool as heck. They're called Hartwell Corporation, made them in Placentia, California. Um, so this thing's full of fun surprises. And uh, the nice thing is I did get it up and running. Uh, or I should say I got it booted up and powered on. Uh, there was no smoke. I opened it up and checked. All the caps look at least not bulging. Um, it seems to possibly be operational. I got some video. Uh, to display, uh, but I think I might need to get some proper 75 ohm uh, BNC cables to make the thing happy. Or it's got a problem that'll that'll never be fixed because this company went out of business a long, long time ago, and uh, and these aren't. There's, I don't think there's anyone around who knows how to fix them. But that's the video lunchbox. I thought that would be fun for. for people I mean, I think there is something interesting about. I mean, I've been thinking about because you brought this on um, our creative meeting, and you know, you were talking about it, and we're like, oh, could we make this Raspberry Pi? You know, I, I do think like, yes, an iPad's great, but um, I could see how, you know, you could have um, a Raspberry Pi and you can connect, you know, the, a Raspberry Pi camera to it. And then you could have HDMI coming in and you could have, you know, tactile buttons and like those new encoder yeah. knobs. You know, there could be some yeah. interesting um, interface that you could do that wouldn't be possible. I mean, like, yep. you know, people talk about like screens and cars and how, you know, modern cars, they have like one big touch screen, but it's like, it's so easy to get 
confused when mm-hmm. it can be when you're doing stop motion, you want to have one hand on like a knob and the other hand mm-hmm. tweaking a thing. And you're like, knob press, knob press yeah. as you're, as you're iterating through your scene. I don't know. I, I think that could be, I believe it. Could be useful. Yep. I agree. I like tactile stuff. Yeah. I remember um, a million years ago, I think, I don't know if we were both at make at the same time, or maybe this was like make volume one. Um, it was possible to do stop motion with a Mac and it was because the software was finally kind of ready yeah. and it was like the, the downloadable version, you'd plug in a webcam and then you would be able to have the onion skinning thing. And that was the, the thing that really yeah. helped out because you could see the previous frame and then you could see the next frame and then you could make a little quick time movie. Yeah. Pretty low res. Yeah. Um, that was, you know, that was, a. if you think about it, like if you've ever done like little sketchbook animations, you could just flip the pages. Yeah. And flip the readers would, would understand uh, the flow of what they were working on. That didn't exist for stop motion when you were doing it on like camcorders and stuff, unless you wanted to hit rewind and play. Yeah. And watch. It was super uh, inconvenient. So a lot of it was either pre-planning or just straight ahead and you hoped you got it right. So things like this uh, helped elevate the craft. This sure. is cool. Um, you might want to do either a blog post or get out a couple of photos about social media, because usually when we, when we publish these things, Someone comes out of the woodwork and like, oh yeah, I worked yeah. for them. I'm, I was, I have the schematics in my basement. You I'm know? Mr. Yeah. Dapp, you know, yeah. that's my old lunchbox. Huh? Yeah, I looked into it, and uh, it was a two, I think it was a two-person company up in Oregon, uh, that, and that was their company. I think Animation Toolworks. Uh, yeah, a few versions of this. Eventually, they did a DV uh, version that could do DV quality video, and uh, there were, yeah, there were a few iterations of it, but uh, yeah. Can you tilt it up and, and show the logo on the front? They did every little bit of this. Uh, they did a really good job on. When I saw this out of the corner of my eye, I thought I was seeing like a piece of a crew gift, like Cartoon Network crew gift. Yeah, logo. that's at first what I thought. What is that thing? And then I went over. I was like, Wait a second, what is this thing? So yeah, this is really neat. Yeah. All right. Thanks, thanks, Jay-Fay. This was a combination oh, of uh, style of retro. How, how much and, was and this? New. Was it like 10, 10 bucks, fifty bucks? I bought it for twenty five dollars. Uh, worth it totally what i love asking people because going, like, the, let me tell you i got the, it the, like, going rate for um, electronic lunch boxes and teddy bears on the show this week is about 20. <laughs> it's good yeah, yeah. Good time for 25 dollars yeah all right thanks so much uh, great find you all right next up we're gonna go to melissa and then we're gonna go to scott melissa what you got going on this week well i have been working on uh updating or going through all the uh matrix portal guides and updating it uh for using this uh matrix portal uh new product here uh has the esp 32 s3 and uh one of the guides that i kind of updated last here is this uh matrix dreidel uh game and one of the what I had to do to update that is uh, wire it up to this Max 98 uh, 357 and a speaker uh, because the uh, ESP32 does not have the same audio output that the Matrix M4 did. Uh, it only has the I2S. And so I just kind of wanted to show this uh, working here. So if I just kind of put my finger right here through here. Can hear it playing. Nice. So that is now working, uh, and the guide has been updated. So, all right, good work. And you 3D printed that um, base yourself? Yes. Good work. 
Thanks for, I know one of the things is I was like, well, I want to update this hardware, but we have to go through all the guides, but you found a lot of bugs and you fixed them. Um, and now we're ready to rock. Yeah. Most of them just worked without any changes, but there is a few. Yeah. I look how, I mean, like, this is a good example of like, Ooh, like an edge case. Yes, exactly. Hanukkah all right. Case. Okay. Thanks so much. Nice Melissa. work, Melissa. All right, Scott, what you got going on this week? Hello. Um, a couple things. Uh, I thought I'd, I'd uh, tease this. I had this idea of a mounting grid. So these are like 0.1 inch holes at a 0.2 inch uh, pitch. And I think I showed this. I'm not sure. It's just like a prototype that I did. And then Jeff had the idea of doing like a swirl. And we kind of just like went for it and yeah. more went for it and ordered it in aluminum. So I've got uh, this feather here mounted. It's with brass. So I haven't powered it up yet. Uh, you have to be aware of that, um, that you might want to insulate the board from the brass standoffs. Uh, but it's nice and rigid, which is awesome. And the, the brass standoffs are nice and sturdy as well. So I'm pretty excited about this and my brain is still cooking on uh, other patterns and more you know one one thing that would be neat is um let me uh just a little bit if you go to um any of the pegboard type stores because that anything that you can put in slots and holes like ikea and home depot there's all sorts of stuff that also have other types of weird connectors that they have you can put them on shelves there's there's other right. permutations i think you did this in keycad right yeah, so uh, I wrote a generator script that produces this pattern. Um, Jeff had done it in OpenSCAD because he 3D printed it. But um, Lamore knew that JLC has aluminum yeah. PCBs. So uh, I wrote a KiCad generator to do the same pattern that Jeff did. We're going to include little rubber feet, by the way. We added that as an add-on for the, the product. Yeah. Yeah, we stocked them for like 99 cents. Little rubber feet on the bottom. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so it's, I like it's, this. It's, it's like perfect. It's like uh, making aluminum plates. I, I remember a long time ago, I actually tried to get something like this made, but I was actually talking to an aluminum stamper, and it was just like the setup yeah. fee and the manufacturing. It just got it was so expensive. They're going to be like twenty bucks a sheet, and I was like, nobody's going to want this. But right. if you just make it as a PCB, um, it was only a couple dollars a piece. Yeah, and uh, so I was like debating what I should put on it, and you can see that I've I, it it labels each of the grids so that like if you're writing a tutorial, you can say like put it in zero five or two five or whatever. Um, electronics and, by number. <laughs> electronics by number exactly. Um, so I thought that would be handy too. So I'm I'm very excited to see this and uh, and do more with it. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to show, if you can pull up my window, thank you. Um, so this is a serial output out of an IMX 1060. And what I've got is, um, that's debugging, that won't usually show up. But I've got one of these like dongle things for, for a, like a handheld keyboard. Um, and so if I plug it in uh, to the dev board, it will show me there. And now I can type on oh. it. Um, okay into CircuitPython. Oh, interesting. Um, so we're thinking of, I've been thinking a lot about like, how would you actually um, edit code kind of from a keyboard that's that's over USB? Um, although it, I was just thinking there's an, a number of stuff that we could actually share with BLE as well. Um, so so BLE hosts kind of would be another thing that we could add is, is automatically finding BLE keyboards would be cool too. 
So yeah, thinking about that for 9.0. Um, and if folks have ideas uh, or examples about how to switch between editing and running, editing and running, um, I'd love to hear them uh, because that's the world where we're getting to. <laughs> yeah, another option is uh, if you were making your interactions a multiple choice where you're you want to do four different things and you could choose what you wanted to do. Do I want to light up an LED? Do I want to move a servo? That's another way, but it's always hard to figure out edit versus display. Yeah. And we could do some, something with like fun, function, different function keys to different things yeah. as well. But I, I was, I was thinking something simple, like escape just toggles you between editing and running and then editing would be like, it would run editor.py. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, and then you could put whatever editor that. you wanted. Yeah. Right. And so like you could, you could have editor.py be whatever you want. Um, and you just switch between that. You'd run editor.py and then you'd run code.py yeah. and switch between the two. And that would give you a lot of freedom to make the editor whatever you want. Uh, of course, I think we would ship with the default one, um, but you'd be able to replace it. It would it'd be like the default files on CircuitPy. All right. If folks want to uh, toss some ideas your way or uh, kick the tires on this, how would they yeah. how would they do it? Find me on Discord. On Discord. <laughs> on you know, Discord. On um, th there's a there's a menagerie of single serving e ink devices. People who just like to write, and they're like, yeah. I don't want to internet connected. And they're they have different modes where it's like, I just want to see my screenplay, or I want to edit the screenplay. Um, we should take a look at this and we could steal some good ideas. Yeah, that's a good point. And then the other thing that I had, and and we hit this a little bit when Dan and I were in New York, is the Pi 400. Yeah. Right, like the Pi 400's got a built-in keyboard. It, it does HDMI out. We already support HDMI out. It's just just getting the USB in and we could have an all-in-one CircuitPython computer. And yeah, I mean, Lotus Notes cool. was on a keyboard. Yeah, like it, yeah. <laughs> it can do anything. It's it's very much like trying to modernize the that like single single task nineteen. Before the Apple II, you could always dump into an editor and like write code that yeah. then you would run and you there was no windowing system. It was just one right. big disky mm -hmm. operating system. Yeah. All right, this is cool. CPS. Yeah, so that's the challenge. How do we modernize it? If you have ideas or if you want to uh uh with Jepler is one of the more recent projects you can cobble together your own, you know, Python computer too. Yep. And thank you to Jeff, because I, this demo would not have been possible today if I hadn't uh, borrowed a bunch of code from Jeff's CPM. He already had the like convert HID like USB reports into ASCII. Ah, very um, nice. So thanks to a Jeff for, for giving me a boost there and, and we'll refine that some more to do up arrows and stuff. All right. Well, USB host is very interesting. I mean, like there's, it unlocks a lot. There's a lot of hardware that's only available through um, USB. And, you know, one of the things is fast. I remember we did like an um, you know, IMPI about a cellular modem that was a USB modem and it shows up as a CDC port, but mm. it's still like, it's cheaper to get a ready to go USB modem than a module. It's like, it's like the, huh. the scale is so different. You know, right. it's a USB. And of course, we can plug in a USB floppy drive. Yeah, I was thinking of USB thumb drives. Yeah, um, because people are like, oh, I just want to like log my data, and so yeah, like read or log data. Like there that, is, yeah. it's something. It's a demo that we have for USB host on the RP twenty forty, for sure. Yeah, that's, that's next tough. as well. 
most of what I'm doing here is built on TinyUSB, so any anything that TinyUSB supports for USB host will hopefully just work. Okay. All right. Well, Knock on wood. Scott. And uh, it was great seeing you. We got a chance to do yeah, a little mini um, Circuit Python convention here in New York. <laughs> sort of. Yeah. Just seeing yeah. each other after four years of not seeing yeah. each other in person. We're we're starting to see some of our remote team more often now, so um, mm -hmm. it uh it feels good. It's good to be back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was good to travel. Thanks for having me. Okay. We'll see you later. Scott. Okay. And that is our show for the week this week. Thank you, everybody. Almost uh, ask an engineer time. We'll see everybody each week here, some 30 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesdays. Next week, Melissa will be hosting, and then um, I think we're back the week after, but we'll be doing show until forever. So you don't have to worry about it. You're stuck with us. There's a couple of people in chat that are like, oh, I'm going to show my chat maybe. I'm going to show my, um, my, my project. This week, I didn't have time or whatever. Don't worry. We're, we're here every week. We're here every week. Yeah. But it'll give you a good deadline. You're like, oh, if I get it done, I'll show But that said, you should still do it next week. Yeah. Nothing nothing like a deadline to, to get a demo going. Okay. All right. We'll see everybody on Ask an Engineer in a few minutes. Bye-bye. Okay.